Hello and welcome back to the Dante in a Year podcast. My name is Danny Fitzpatrick. Today we're continuing with Dante's Purgatorio, Canto 6. When the game of dice is parted, he who lost remains in sorrow, repeating the turns, and he leaves in sorrow. All the rest go off with the other one. This one goes before, and that one grabs him behind, and that one at his side recalls him to mind. He doesn't stop, and attends to this one and that. Those whom he offers his hand press him no more, and so he fends off the throng. So was I in that throbbing press, turning my face to them, and then here and there, and, promising, freed myself from them. There was the Aretine who had his death at the fierce embrace of Gino di Tacco, and the other who drowned careening in the chase. There Federico Novello was praying with spread hands, and that one of Pisa who made the good Marzucco show strength. I saw Count Orso, and the soul divided from its body for resentment and for envy, as he said, not for a committed fault. I say it was Pierre de la Broccia, and let her look ahead while she's there, the lady of Brabant, that she might not be of a lesser flock. As I was free of all those shades, who prayed only for others' prayers, that their becoming saintly might be hastened, I commenced. It seems to me, O my light, that in one place you expressly deny that prayer may bend heaven's decrees. And these people pray only for this. Will their hope be vain? Or is what you said but poorly manifest to me? And he to me, My writing is plain, and the hope these bear is not false, if you well regard it with sound mind. For the height of justice is not depressed, if the fire of love completes in an instant that which those stalled here must satisfy. And there where I confirmed this point, defect was not amended through prayer, for the prayer was disjoined from God. Truly you ought to keep yourself from such lofty questions until you speak to her who will be light between the truth and the intellect. I'm not sure you understand. I speak of Beatrice. You will see her up above, up on the summit of this mountain, smiling and happy. And I, Lord, let us go with greater haste, for now I'm not so fatigued as before, and you see now that the hill sheds a shadow. We will press on with this day, he responded, as much more as we still can. But the fact is in another form than you suppose. Before you're there above, you'll see return him who now is covered by the slope, so that you don't now break his rays. But see there the one soul who, placed by himself alone, gazes upon us. That one will inform us of the swiftest way. We came to him. O Lombard soul, how high and disdainful you stood, how calm and honorable in the motion of your eyes. He didn't say a thing to us, but let us come to him, watching us in the way of a lion in his repose. But Virgil drew up to him, praying that he show us the best ascent, and that one didn't respond to his demand, but inquired of our homeland and our life. And the sweet leader was beginning, Mantua, and the shade, all drawn up in himself, surged toward us from the place where he first sat, saying, O oh, Mantuan, I am Sordello of your land! And the one embraced the other. Ah, slave Italy, hostile of sorrow, ship without captain in the grand tempest, no madam of provinces but of a bordello! 
That gentle soul was so swift, solely at the sweet sound of his own land, to celebrate its citizen. And now your people can't keep without war, and the one of those gnaws the other within the jaws of their wall and their moat. Search, miserable land, about the banks of your seas, and then see within your bosom whether any part within you rejoices in peace. What good does it avail you that Justinian restored the harness if the saddle's void? Without that your shame would be less. Ah, people who ought to be devout and let Caesar sit in the saddle, if you well attended what God notes for you, see how fierce that beast becomes that's not corrected by the spurs since you put your hand to the bridle. O oh, Albert the German, you who abandon her now she's indomitable and savage, and who ought to straddle her saddle-bows, the just judgment of the stars falls upon your blood, and let this be so strange and plain that your successor might grow to fear it. You and your father had suffered there, distressed by that avarice that would let the garden of the empire be desert. Come see the Montecchi and Capelletti, Monaldi and Filippeschi, men without care. Those are already distraught, and these are in terror. Come, O oh cruel one, come, and see the suffering of your noble ones, and take their problems to heart, and you will see how shadowed is Santa Fiora. Come and see your Rome, who weeps, widowed and alone, and calls day and night, My Caesar, why do you not accompany me? Come see the people how much they love, and if no pity for us might move you, come for the shame put upon your fame. And if it is permitted me, O highest Jove, who was crucified for us on earth, are your just eyes turned another way? Or is it that in the abyss of your counsel preparation is made for some good, cut off from all our understanding? For the cities of Italy all are full of tyrants, and every rude villain who comes posturing becomes a Marcellus. My Florence, you may be well content with this digression which doesn't touch you, courtesy of your people's argument. Many have justice in the heart, and shoot late from the bow for all they're considering, but your people have it on the tip of the tongue. Many refuse the common charge, but your solicitous people respond without asking and cry, I will shoulder it. Be happy then, as you well ought. You are rich, you have peace, and you have sense. If I speak the truth, the fact cannot hide. Athens and Lacedaemona, that made the antique laws and were so civilized, gave but small signs of living well compared to you. You who make such subtle provision which can't join what you've birthed in October to the midst of November. How often in the time that you remember have you changed laws, money, offices, and customs, and renewed your members? And if you well recall and see clearly, you'll see yourself similar to that sick woman who can find no repose upon the plumes and squirms to turn from her sorrow. So, just one thing to note as we press on into Purgatorio here is that we see a different pattern emerging from what we saw in the Inferno. So the Inferno, we watched first as certain souls, who of course had no hope of moving into any higher plane of being, of going on to Purgatory or to Paradise, ask Dante to remember them. To preserve their fame in the world above. Of course, as we got deeper and deeper into hell, 
what most souls desired above all else was simply to be forgotten. So horrible were their crimes, so horrible were their sins. Now that we're in purgatory, the people that we meet ask only for one thing, and that's for prayers to hasten them through their time in purgatory so that they can finally enter into that final hope of paradise. So we'll see that pattern continue. We'll see a few other sort of ontological patterns unfold as we ascend the mountain of purgatory. But thanks for joining me for another episode of the Dante in a Year podcast. See you next time for Dante's Purgatorio, Canto 7.